Hey everybody, this is Nubia. And I'm Francis. We are your dynamic duo of Chronicles Abroad. As always, our goal is to inspire you to travel with passion and purpose. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. Hey, this is Nubia. And I'm Francis. We're your dynamic duo, Chronicles Abroad. And today we're talking to Eric Woodby, a newbie expat to the scene. After a trip to Sweden four years ago, his perspective totally changed. He contemplated the thought of moving abroad for a while, but sat on it. Today he shares his insights on how he made the decision to finally make his dream a reality. Make sure to listen to the end where Eric shares his tips about traveling while vegan and what it took for him to finally make the move. As always, our goal is to inspire you to travel with passion and purpose. Now let's get on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to Chronicles Abroad. I'm Nubia. And I'm Francis. So today we are talking to a new expat. How exciting is this? Okay. He has spent many years in Los Angeles, California as a graphic designer, but he's originally from Arizona and he is a long-term or long-time vegan who loves to travel. That's a whole different conversation. <laughs> uh, currently he has moved abroad to Stockholm, Sweden. I would like to introduce Eric Woodby. Welcome, Eric. Hello. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for being Thank here. Thank you for being here. So, Eric, let's start with a simple question that we like to ask everybody on the show. How many countries have you visited so far? Ooh, um, I think it's about eight. Um, Canada, England, Denmark, Sweden, uh, recently Latvia, Norway, and um, England. There you go. So what was the ultimate decision to move abroad, let alone to Sweden? It was completely not expected. I first came here four years ago in 2015, just randomly on a trip to Denmark. And a friend from Los Angeles, who's actually from Sweden, suggested that I add Sweden onto my trip. And so I said, sure, why not? And my main focus at that time was Denmark, but I came over to Stockholm and just really felt a connection to it. So now that you're living there, Is it what you thought it would be when you first visited? Because visiting versus living there are two different kinds of experiences. Yeah, I mean, it's still new for me. Uh, I've been here this time for, I think, six weeks. And I'm here for sure until the end of December. And then from there, you know, we'll go from there and and, have to leave for three months and then I can come back. That's the hardest part is living. Because is that considered an EU country? It is, yes. Okay, so for those that are not familiar, it's called the, how can I can't ever pronounce it, Sheshkin, is that correct? I think so, I think so, yeah, okay. Schengen or Schengen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that, where um, if you hold a U.S. passport, because we can only 
really talk about U.S. passport holders, you're only allowed 90 days in the EU, within the EU, and then you would have to leave the country. So in Thailand, we would call those visa runs. We would have to leave the country every 30 days if you were on a tourist visa, and then you would have to return back to the country. But in Europe, it's 90 days. And then when you leave, you have to leave to a non-Sheshkin country. <laughs> so it's kind of like you have to play this, this game, this dancing game of when you can be in or out of the country unless you are sponsored by an employer which is what you're trying to do at this time, correct? That's correct, yes. Okay. And once you're sponsored, you can actually stay for the duration of the sponsorship or visa. That's correct, yes. All right, sweet. Let's go backwards a little bit. What did the process look like to you? Because a lot of our audience members get stuck in what we call the three Fs, fair, family, finance. So let's break it down a little bit. Let's start with fear. How did you overcome the fear of potentially moving to another country? That took four years. I wanted to come here for sure after the first visit. But, you know, I came in the summer and I'm from the West Coast, from Arizona originally. So I did come back in the winter a couple of times, about three times and said, yeah, I think I can do this. You know, it, yeah, I haven't lived in it, but it seems OK as, as of yet. But, um, yeah, the fear thing for me, it took about four years because, you know, I'd been at the same company for a long time. I just didn't want to do anything where I could jeopardize my financial situation. So, yeah. And the family, that was the easiest. My family's always been pretty supportive of me. And I've always been that one that they say, oh, this is Eric. He, he does this type of thing. So that wasn't too hard. And my friends, you know, came in second as far as they were really supportive. But yeah, the biggest one for me was, was the fear was the financial fear. Yeah. Coming from a nine to five and then doing something like this where I'm, I'm you know, a freelancer right now. So what do you think it takes to kind of like get that mindset shift? Because it really is between it's the finances and the family, what we find is, and it's all kind of like it all interplays, right, with each other. So what do you think it takes to really take that mindset shift to believe that these opportunities are available and that you can actually make a living doing whatever it is so that you can make that whole expat living reality? It sounds um, new agey, but I think it's faith. It really starts with faith. And I'm not a religious person, but this is the first time, I won't say in my life, but in many years where I'm really having to return back to faith and starting with you know, what do I believe in? Not, you know, religiously, but, you know, in, in life and what do I want? That's the starting point. That's been the starting point for me. I agree. I think that's the whole part of the travel experience is to have faith that there are more good people in the world than there are bad, which I know personally I've experienced, uh, and to trust yourself. You know, when we are living on autopilot and we don't have to exercise that part of our brain, uh, we don't think about it, really. But then making this shift and this move, it's front and center. I think that we do have the internal abilities to make these types of moves in our lives, but that fear really just roots us. Um, but kudos to you for like just doing it. Thank you. And thank you guys. I, You guys were one of the last pieces in the puzzle for me because I stumbled upon your podcast early summer this year. And it was an opportunity for me to say, oh, there are people out there. There is a community out there. And I kind of knew a little bit, but coming onto your podcast, just like, blew my mind because, you know, your interviews with other people and, and your own personal experiences, I was like, okay, 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 they're, they're doing it, they're doing it. And 
I can do it. I can do it. I, I, I can believe in this. And so, yeah. And then I went back to my family and friends and, and told them I've made a decision. And they said, well, set a date to do this. And I did. And, and that's where I'm at right now. So thank you guys. That is awesome. That is a wonderful and a beautiful testimony. And we are completely and utterly grateful. And I was telling Francis, I was like, you know, this guy, Eric, he's so like, so supportive. You know, we love the fact that you DM'd us and was just like, you said the same exact thing, like, thank you. And I just, those are the, the messages, the, the call, the emails are the reason why we continue to do what we do. Because our story is just one piece of a much larger puzzle, right? So to share and to meet and to be able to network with people from all over the world to share their experiences, their stories. And it's just been, a oh my gosh, I can't, it, the words don't even come out sometimes, right? Because it's just been overwhelmingly just great. We're blessed. We're blessed. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I have a question for you. Tell us about being TWV, hmm. traveling while vegan. <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, well, I've been vegan now for 19 years, so I'm used to that for the most part. As far as in Stockholm, I, I haven't had an issue. There's always somewhere where I can find food. I've been told that if I had come here maybe in the 80s or the 70s, it would have been a bit more difficult. But it's like any other major city. There's different types of ethnic restaurants, Asian restaurants. Um, there was a Mexican restaurant I went to. I haven't yet tried traditional Swedish food. But yeah, that part is, is not an issue for me, at least in Stockholm. I've only had that challenge once when I went to Spain, and that was in 2008. I think it would be difficult. This is just my opinion, right? Because I'm, I'm a carnivore, I'm not a vegan. But most Latin American countries would be difficult because they're heavy meat eaters. Yes. And that's what I came across in Spain. It was a lot of, I think, ham. And mm. so I just stuck with, I think it was like pastries. And I knew it wasn't vegan, but I said, I got to eat and I'm not going to pass out here. So yeah, that that was, you know, and it, and it could have been too. I didn't really do my research at the time. So I can't say that it was the country. It was just at the time I got there and I didn't really think about it. And then I just had to struggle through it. And not, you know, struggle is not the right word. I had to make do. So yeah. Got it. And that was going to lead into the next question, right? It's kind of like, how do you manage countries that have fewer vegan options? Good question. How do I manage with fewer vegan options? Well, I'm not really a foodie anyway, or that's what I've been told. So I don't really need, um, like, I just, the basics are fine with me. And, you know, I'm not really a cook myself. So I'll, you know, just salad and and you know I'm, i used to joke that yeah just give me the parsley on your plate and i'll be good so yeah like what you hear so far make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now this podcast is made possible by listeners like you we thank you for your support so be sure to subscribe rate and leave a review now back to the show it's hard for us to relate uh we just we really love food <laughs> Not that you don't love food, but we're like, we like, we'll seek it out. I think one of the first questions of like going to a different country is like, what's the, what's the food scene like over there? You know, what, what is the food to have? I think that determines where the hell we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I need to be better at that. I really do. And, and I do know there's some vegan restaurants that I think do make traditional Swedish food. I just haven't gotten around to, to going to them, but I do need to do that. 
So what tips if you have, um, what tips do you have for our vegan travelers out there? The internet is an amazing thing. You can find a lot of tips on online. That's really helpful. I don't think you should lead, or this is my personal experience. I have never led with, oh, if they don't have the actual vegan restaurants, I'm not going to go because, yeah, that's, that's not an, for me, that hasn't been an excuse for me not to travel. And with any food, like I said, I've been a long time vegan. So I always say I can find something on just about any menu. I've never been anywhere where I couldn't find anything because, you know, there's vegetables, there's potatoes, there's um, bread, you know, so that's those are options that you have. You know, I think this is a good chance for us to kind of tap into that vegan market a little bit to understand what countries really work best. And to me, I would think Asian countries work best with vegan foods because I know in Thailand uh, you could eat well I don't you know the funny thing about it is I'll say noodles right and then somebody's like well the noodles aren't vegan because they're made with eggs and I'm like oh you're right <laughs> I mean, and then I'm like oh but what about this bagel and I'm like bagels have you know egg or milk in it I'm just like oh man so the funny thing about it is I guess I, I'm looking at I don't know what the vegan means versus like the vegetarian, right? So vegan is like no animal products whatsoever, no byproducts or anything by animal. So it's crazy because when I think about foods, I forget about the additives, right? So you said mashed potatoes, but some people, you know, automatically cook their mashed potatoes with butter. So then that makes it not vegan, right? right but there's right. no butter in Asia at all. And they barely ever use dairy. So I would think that that would be the easiest place to have food because you don't have many products with egg or butter. However, they eat a lot of eggs. Okay. Yeah. I mean, for me, my options in places like Stockholm have been restaurants or um, Thai restaurants. Asian restaurants, Thai restaurants in particular, I, I really like Thai food. So yeah, I, I would agree that Asian food most likely is is your best option. But yeah, if you want to do the noodles and even the soups, you have to make sure that they don't have like a, a fish Bone stock broth. or mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But again, I, I love to travel. So I would say when I'm traveling, I am okay with being 90, 95% vegan quotes uh, air quotes <laughs> got it but, and like you yeah. said you have to adapt sometimes because yeah. of and you know the crazy thing about food and francis can <laughs> attest to this is you know when you're a westerner we have this fixation on i like it like this right or can you cook like we have all these stipulations or ways we like our food done can i have it well done can i have it without this and yeah can you add that in other countries you can't do, <laughs> especially Thailand, we would sit down and let's say if I wanted the food, but I didn't want the egg because I don't necessarily eat runny eggs. And that would mess my whole meal up because they would be like, what? What do you mean? No egg. You know, they cook the way they cook and there's no way to, no you know, um, no substitutes. No substitutes. They don't like to, yeah, they don't like to, to deviate from what they know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, when I became vegan, my biggest thing that I wanted to make sure, even amongst my friends and family, because nobody else in my life is vegan. 
I'm the only one as far as my close friends and family. And I never wanted to be that person that was that person in a restaurant, especially because I knew a couple people like that. And so I try to keep that to a minimum. Like if I can, I'll, I'll look at the menu online before I go to a restaurant or even if I get to a restaurant, because usually going out is a social event and I want to make sure that the focus is on that. And so I'll just, you know, scan the menu quickly when I get somewhere and try to order it without being noticed as much as possible because I don't want that to be the focus. And, I, and I've never been that person that wanted to make other people feel uncomfortable. And then with, yeah, even with the choices at the restaurants, again, for travel in particular, and, and especially if I don't know the customs, I want to be respectful as possible to the, the people and the, within the country. Yeah. Okay, so this is actually a great segue um, in regards to the culture and, and living in Sweden. What is something that pleasantly surprised you about it? And maybe what's something that you're a little bit disappointed about? I know you've only been there for six weeks, but maybe like your first impression. From the beginning, when I first came, you know, a lot of people say that the Swedes are somewhat reserved until you get to know them. And for me, at least as of right now, that's not a problem. But because I'm that person, you know, I've always I'm kind of shy and, and I don't really come out of my shell until you really get to know me. So that part hasn't really bothered me. But I've heard people say, oh, well, I've heard the Swedes are really hard to get to know. And I said, no, I, you know, my experiences so far as people are pleasant. You know, I've never had a problem if I got lost or I needed directions that anybody was rude to me. Some things, I just actually said this to my sister earlier today, and I did notice that the first time that I was here is that because the parental leave is compared to the States is really good, you see a lot of men with strollers, like small children, and you don't realize that that's not common until you see it. And, and that still fascinates me as you get on a subway or you get on the bus or you even walking down the street and there's a guy with two or three small kids with him. And you're like, wow, that's pretty fascinating. It is fascinating. And it really attributes to the quality of life in other countries. We try to really express how the quality of life is so much more advanced in a lot of other places that people wouldn't even know. Like you said, the paternity leave, I don't even think paternity leave exists in America half the time. You don't see many men with young babies when you go to other countries, even in Mexico. One thing that I really enjoy is seeing the families, especially out on Saturday and Sundays. I mean, the parks are full of families and I mean, full on eight to 12 people, families, <laughs> you know, enjoying time together, picnicking, riding bikes, you know, having brunch or lunch or dinner. And it's just a beautiful sight. Because we lose that in America. You don't see many families, many men with young babies. You don't see a lot of that camaraderie and community within a family dynamic anymore. Right. And yeah, and that's that's been yeah, yeah, that's been new for me. Yeah, because especially, you know, I don't have kids and, and most of my friends are are single or don't have children. And so I don't really notice it. And so, yeah, that is, it's refreshing. Um, also, nature is is big here. And I've been told that that's really big here. And I actually notice it this time. And although I've been here in the colder months, I'm noticing it a little bit more because for me, coming from especially Los Angeles, 35 degrees, you wouldn't leave your house. And so you see people walking around, you see people on bikes. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. Because you know, I just wouldn't have imagined that people are still out and about when it gets below a certain temperature. But And then it's motivation for me to keep going, too, because I get up and I start my day and I'm like, OK, there's people outside that are doing their thing, they're living their lives. So I don't have any excuse to say, oh, it's too cold outside. 
We want to make sure you'll never miss a show. So be sure to swing by our website at chroniclesabroad.com where you can subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. While you're at it, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Simply tell a friend, or maybe five, about the show. That would help us out big time. We'd love to have you join our growing Facebook community, Chronicles Abroad Collective. That's the name of the group. This is where we share tips, resources, and encouragement. If you love the episodes, then you'll love the community even more. Simply click the join button. Can't wait to see you there. Yeah, that's interesting that you said that because when I was living in Japan, when it rains, everyone's in the house. But the Japanese, they have their umbrellas out. I mean, you can barely walk on the sidewalks. It doesn't matter what the weather is, specifically rain. They are out and about all the umbrellas, which is something I don't see here because people just stay in their house. It's raining. Not going out. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's funny to me, Eric, that you would have chosen to move during the winter months. Most people would have done it the opposite, right? Like stay in LA until the winter's over and then maybe go in the spring, early summer. What was the decision to say, okay, I'm going to go right as it's becoming winter? Because you mentioned as we started the interview that you got the first snow. Yeah. <laughs> and coming from <laughs> I took LA a video of it too. into snow is like a, a whole culture shock, is it not? I mean, I've been in the snow before, but yeah, it's still seeing the first snow for me is a big deal. Um, the weather and me coming here, that wasn't connected. It was just more about me wanting to make sure that I made a decision because I've been talking about this for four years. I think it was around March. It was two people that don't know each other, but they were friends of mine. And they said, you know, whenever I need to make a decision that means a lot to me, it's important to set a date. And I said, okay, that's that's a good idea. That's a really good idea. And I knew in my core that I couldn't live the way I was living for another year. Not that my life was bad, but as far as specifically this decision to do this, I said, I can't, I know for sure if I allow myself to wait another year, I may not make the decision. And so when I heard that from them, I was like, okay, I will set a date. Initially, it was the end of September. And then I checked the flights at the time and they were really expensive. And so I was like, all right, let's check some more dates. And then it was the beginning of October. So that's why I chose this time. It was more because I knew for myself that I needed to make a, a concrete decision. We want to make sure you'll never miss a show. So be sure to swing by our website at chroniclesabroad.com where you can subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. While you're at it, we'll appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend or five about the show, that will help us out big time. We would love to have you join our growing Facebook community. Yes, y'all. We finally opened up our group called Chronicles Abroad Collective. This is the name of the group. This is where we share tips, resources, and encouragement. If you love the episodes, then you'll love the community even more. Simply click the join button. Can't wait to see you guys there. I love that you said that, Eric, because when it comes down to it, you just have to do it. That's it. And let the chips fall where they fall. On top of that, there are communities out here that are going to support you. You're never alone as a solo traveler. You just never, there's too many opportunities to meet people who are on similar journeys as you or who are just ready to embrace you as the newcomer. So 
I love that you said that you just got to just, uh, for lack of a better phrase, pull the trigger. Yeah. And, and my biggest thing was, you know, if I can't, if I don't have work, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. But that's when faith comes back in. And, and that's where, for me, I said, well, what can I work with, you know, financially? And I just drafted up a plan and I was like, okay, I, I can do this. You know, I don't live an extra, I didn't live an extravagant life necessarily in Los Angeles, but you know, there's some things I, I've had to let go of. I'm not missing a car at all. I do love being in a city where I don't need a car. I love that. <laughs> I think that's huge. Being in a place where it's accessible. That is a big thing for a lot of people, for me especially. Um, some people love certain countries that I typically are like, ah, I can never live there because it's not the walkability isn't as great, nor is the accessibility to, you know, bus or metro or anything like that. You know, if I got to take a taxi everywhere I go or, you know, hire a car or whatever, it's not going to work for me. So that's a big thing, too, is accessibility. That's awesome. And, and well, this, was, this was more. Uh, yeah, it's about the move, you know, uh, you know the plan eventually to land somewhere permanently. But it's it's opened up a lot of questions for me about, you know, just again, what do I want in life? And and in some ways, really sitting with myself and asking, what have I always really wanted in life? And so yeah, it's it's about the, you know, moving to a different country, but it's gotten a lot bigger than that. Let me ask you a quick question, because I know our listeners are gonna be wondering. So you have your first 90 days. You know, I'm a I'm a manifester, serial manifester. So I'm going to put it in the atmosphere that you will find employment within these 90 days and all is going to be beautiful and well. But have you thought about the other side of the coin? What happens at the end of the 90 days if you haven't? What are, what are your thought processes then? I have. And, and that's when I go back to, you know, online and podcasts like yours. I, when I started to hear that people either came back to the U.S. or they went to different countries, I said, okay, okay, there's there's options here. I don't have to feel like if this doesn't happen in this time, then just give up. You know, I've already decided that if nothing happens within this time period, I don't want to go back to the U.S. because I want to challenge myself to continue on this journey while, and for me, that means staying out of the U.S. for as long as I can. Nice. I mean, that's great that you you know that there are options. And I think that that falls back into the fear, right? People go, well, what if, what if, what if? And I'm, and, you know, I use this saying that we are all one paycheck away from being homeless. I don't care if you make six figures today, if you lose your job tomorrow, you know, you're at, at risk of becoming homeless. So at the end of the day, you know, you have to step out on faith in yourself and, and believe that you can do it. And if for whatever reason that it doesn't work out or pan out the way that you anticipated it, it doesn't mean that you failed. It actually means that you succeeded because you did something outside of your norm. You stepped outside of your box and you made the decision to at least try, right? And you can reconnect and go, okay, what didn't work? Why didn't it work? Okay, maybe it didn't work because I didn't do these things or I didn't plan accordingly. And then that way you can create and devise a new plan if you choose to leave again. So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. 
love the quote, you know, the universe rewards the bold. Yes. And I heard something recently, I'm paraphrasing, but it says settling for good means that you're missing your best. And I don't want to do that with, with the journey that I'm on right now, for sure. I love it. It's only going to get uh, go up from here. Yeah. <laughs> <Trust> <laughs> like we've seen so many different, let's like random things that happen because somebody connected with this person, this situation. And next thing you know, they're doing something that they never thought they'd be doing. And it's bringing them so much fulfillment. So you got to hold on to that faith. Yeah. And when you mentioned me, you know, sending you a direct message, that was new for me because that's not my norm to do that. And I sat on it for a while. I'm like, no, oh, I don't know what this means. I mean, I'm just sending a random message to two people I don't know. And but I did it. And I'm really grateful that I did it because that was that was going out on faith. And so yeah. And again, that came again from hearing people say you just have to reach out, you just have to ask. And you know, if the person answers, that's great. And if they don't, that's okay too. Exactly. And we are grateful that you did. So Eric, we have a new segment to our podcast that we like to call the hot seat. So hot seat. You gotta let me do some some sound effects. I mean, you can't just jump into that. So I gotta be like boop, 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 or something, you know, we'll work that out. Go for it, Francis. It's all you boo. <laughs> I mean that's so, all I got. Well, go ahead. It, it, okay. It's just a series of and when I say a series, I mean a couple of questions that are just rapid fire questions. Rapid <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Coffee, tea or smoothie? Coffee. Beer, wine or cocktail? I don't drink. <laughs> so none. None of these none, yeah. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Francis. I think I cut her off. It's okay. This, that, I'm used to it. You know, it's just part of the thing. I was interrupting people. But anyway, hostel, hotel, or Airbnb? Airbnb. Group? Group or solo? You know, we, we need to figure this part out. <laughs> <laughs> Group or solo travel? Solo. City or countryside? City. Beach or mountains? Mountains. <laughs> that seems a little unsure, but we're <laughs> <laughs> those two are probably like fish. You're like neck and neck, mm-hmm. neck and neck. neck, and and neck. Was yeah. Good. yeah. All right. Thank you for the beer, wine, and cocktail. Maybe we got to figure that one out, Francis, because yeah, not everybody, everybody drinks. drinks. I mean, that's right. You inconsiderately put that there. No, no, <laughs> I'm that's, just, fine. that's fine. I'm just messing. I could have just picked one instead of just like wow. saying we that. I appreciate your honesty, Eric. That's right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on our show today. We are so thankful that you came on to share your experience. Your story is going to resonate with a lot of people. You're actually one of the first people we've had on the show that is like a brand new expat. So this is like firsthand account in the first two months. I think that's huge. No, I think that's huge because that gives people the real, you know, feeling of what you went through before you you took that step and where you are now that you've taken that step. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. And thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening.
Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.